All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist, and this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. So through the years, I have heard the statement that you can't really um, help somebody with OCD unless you personally really understand it. The implication is that you can't really be helpful to somebody who's suffering from OCD unless you yourself have it. And so oftentimes in therapy, the question will emerge, do you have OCD? And you know, the, the idea really is that if you're not suffering from it, then you can't really be you know, helpful uh, to somebody who's, uh, who themselves is suffering. And, 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 I, and I suppose to that, I would say, look, at the end of the day, the goal isn't for uh, someone like myself to understand your OCD, right? You might say, well, that's really, really important, uh, you know, in order uh, to be helpful. But the fact of the matter is the goal is to treat your OCD. It's not to understand it. So I really want to put to bed this idea that if, uh, you know, if uh, a practitioner doesn't, you know, him or herself meet diagnostic criteria for OCD and, and uh, he or she doesn't, uh, you know, experience the symptoms personally, then, you know, that person can't be helpful. The truth of the matter is what you're looking for is someone who is competent in the effective treatment of OCD, not necessarily somebody who you know, personally understands it. But having said that, I I, I open with that sort of, uh, you know, uh, statement uh, here because the next symptom dimension that I wanted to talk about is one that I personally, uh, you know, really resonate with. I get this one, right? Uh, so you might be wondering, well, does Chris have OCD? I, I don't know that I uh, am meeting diagnostic criteria for OCD. And, and if an OCD expert were to run a, a Y box or some other sort of psychometric uh, that is specific to the symptoms of OCD, um, if that practitioner would find, yeah, you're meeting diagnostic criteria, and your symptoms of are of clinical significance. You know, I don't know. I don't know. But I can say for sure that I have intrusive thoughts, that uh, I have uh, anxiety that happens uh, in correspondence with those intrusive thoughts. And then I, I engage these sorts of safety behaviors, or, or if you want to call them compulsions, that for sure those, you know, symptom dynamics are there for me. Um, and you might say, well, how so? They're there for me. Uh, uh, in, in, um, in relationship to the symptom dimension that is, uh, commonly called relationship OCD, right? So, well, well, what's relationship OCD? Well, relationship OCD, uh, like several of the other symptom dimensions can present in various ways. So relationship OCD is this, uh, this idea wherein I have, um, anxiety that I'm not with the right person. Uh, it's, it's anxiety that, that, uh, I, I'm getting ready to make a commitment and that commitment is a mistake. And so the, the, this, this, this worry about the mistake, 
uh, is the intrusive thought. And then the compulsions might be seeking reassurance from other people, uh, or it might be doing some sort of research or going to counseling or or asking lots and lots of questions of your uh, your partner or whatever it might be. But it's this fear that I'm uh, getting ready to make a commitment of one kind or another to the wrong person. Or, or it might be this fear that I'm getting cheated on, right? Uh, or, or perhaps that I'm being cheated on, right? So this, this notion that, um, that I'm, uh, I'm not being, you know, a good, uh, I'm not being a good partner, uh, and, and that I'm, I'm being unfaithful or that, uh, that my partner is being unfaithful to me, that these, these kinds of intrusive, uh, worries and fears, these are common to what is called relationship OCD. And again, the compulsions become, you know, checking or ruminating or, or, uh, seeking reassurance or, uh, you know, this asking lots and lots of questions, which I suppose would be a specific example of checking or, or, or rumination or seeking reassurance, uh, you know, different compulsions like like these uh, would be specific to uh, the intrusive thoughts relative to relationship OCD. So again, there's this idea uh, within the uh, relationship o o OCD piece wherein we can really get wrapped up in what is relationship OCD? You know, what is harm OCD? Uh, what is contamination OCD? Uh, wh what is uh, POCD, pedophile OCD? What is sexual orientation OCD? Uh, you know, <laughs> on and on and on we can go with these symptom dimensions uh, and really begin to get so wrapped up in the, the identifier, right, that, that we're beginning to lose sight of what really is uh, the, uh, the issue that we're talking about, which is obsessive compulsive disorder, right? We're not talking exclusively about, uh, you know, OCD with, with regard to relationships or OCD with regard to the fear of harm. When we get sort of wrapped up in these specifics, we can, and for some of us, we do really begin to lose the forest for the trees. You follow what I'm meaning to say? So it's so very important, as I've been saying through this series, you've heard me say it again and again, that it's so very, very important to be able to keep your eye on the right ball, right? You follow what I mean by that? So you, as a kid, uh, perhaps you, you hear the phrase, keep your eye on the ball, right? Uh, as it relates to baseball, maybe you're uh, maybe you're uh, you're playing softball, or maybe you're playing baseball, or maybe you're playing you know t-ball, and and the idea is you're swinging that bat is to keep your eye on the ball so that you can hit the ball, right? So you can make contact, so you can get on base, and so you can progress from first base to second base. Um, if you're listening to this podcast from from another country, then perhaps the game of baseball feels a little bit less. Uh, familiar. Uh, but the idea is to really keep our eyes focused on the right priorities, to keep ourselves oriented to the right stuff as opposed to the wrong stuff, right? So when we're talking about relationship OCD and the fear that uh, I'm, I'm with the wrong person and that that's going to down the road um, 
have these disastrous consequences for me uh, or for my partner or that I'm somehow cheating on or not being faithful to or that my partner's not being faithful to me. You know, these fears, we get so wrapped up in what does it mean to have relationship OCD and do other people have relationship OCD and what's it like for them and, you know, what causes relationship OCD and all this stuff what we really begin to get into is we're losing uh, sight of the ball. You, you follow? We're beginning to lose sight, slowly beginning to turn our orientation from the, the main thing. And the main thing, again, you've heard me say it again and again and again, is to identify and to stop compulsions. There simply is no better advice that uh, a practitioner who specializes in the treatment of OCD and then the anxiety-related disorders can say to the general population, then orient yourself to identifying in real time, identifying and stopping compulsions. There simply is nothing more productive that can be said to you than that, regardless of what symptom dimension or subtype of OCD we're talking about. You know, if we continue to do this series and we talk about another symptom dimension and another one after that, you know, again, the more we talk about symptom dimensions, the more episodes we do on symptom dimensions, the more we run the risk higher and higher and higher that that we're separating the OCD population and, 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 and different uh, guys and gals in, in different, uh, you know, subtypes and, 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 and so on are beginning to focus so much on their specific symptom dimension that we're losing what's most important. And I'll tell you, the reality is if I'm working with one person who has harm OCD and one person who has relationship OCD and one person who has sexual orientation OCD, one person who has contamination OCD, one person who has hypochondriasis or illness anxiety disorder, and so on and on and on we go. Guess what? I'm going to be doing the same treatment for all of them. Same skills, same therapeutic processes, maybe slight and I emphasize slight differences with regard to their specific fear topics, but all of them are going to work the same strategies, the same skills, all of them, each of them is going to, uh, to work at the same evidence-based protocol that is called exposure and response prevention, every one of them. Uh, so, so, you know, so as you kind of, uh, listen to this podcast, I really, really want you to be able to keep your eye on the ball, right? You, you, you recall what I mean by that. Just keep your eye uh, oriented to the right, to the main thing, which is identifying and stopping compulsions. Uh, months and months ago on this podcast, I said that I've long wanted to do uh, you know, a bit of a research study, and I think actually it has been done to some extent already, but I've long wanted to do the research study wherein different components of exposure and response prevention are measured in terms of their efficacy, whether we're talking about um, uh, the idea of, of monitoring compulsions with something like a, a ritual monitoring sheet and uh, and we're, we're engaging exposures uh, as such is uh, identified and explained in the treatment manual. And, uh, and we're, we're working to stop compulsions. Um, 
we're working to go to session with a qualified practitioner uh, once or twice a week. And, and the different components of what really is identified as the evidence-based protocol, working to measure those individual elements against each other in order to identify the kingpin of what is most effective uh, within that process, which element or elements is uh, is the most efficacious in terms of meaningful symptom reduction. And I am really, really confident that if we were to do that, what we would find is that stopping compulsions is far and away the most important element of exposure and response prevention. And you might say, well, hey, wait a second. I think exposures uh, and doing exposure work is more important than stopping compulsions because, look, if you're doing good exposure work, then you're going to habituate. Your anxiety is going to fall. You're going to feel better. The whole symptom uh, system is going to fall apart. And I think that you're right, I suppose, to some extent. However, and this is a big however, if you're engaging compulsions through your exposures, guess what? You've heard me say it before. You're not engaging exposure therapy. You can't engage exposure therapy and do compulsions the whole time. It's then not exposure therapy. It's just OCD, right? You could be staring a spider in the face, but if you keep running out of the room or if you keep closing your eyes or if you keep stepping away so far that there's really no sense of risk, the fear is so managed by your behavior, guess what? You're not really doing exposure therapy. That's not really the same thing as doing real exposure therapy uh, as it relates to spiders. You have to get up close to the spider. Maybe it's systematically, maybe it's little by little, you're getting closer and closer, but you have to keep looking at the spider and you have to keep getting closer to the spider and you have to work to stop the safety behaviors of running out of the room and, and, and looking away and closing your eyes and, 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 and thinking about other things and so on and so forth. We have to really do real exposure therapy. And if we're not doing, uh, forgive me, if we are doing these uh, safety behaviors, we're not doing exposure therapy. You see what I'm trying to say? Right? We can say exposure therapy is, is proven to be so effective, and there's a sense in which that's true. There's really a sense in which that's true. But hear me, if we're engaging compulsions or safety behaviors the whole time, it really ceases to be exposure therapy. Not it's ineffective. No, it, it's not exposure therapy. It's not the same thing. You know, it's sort of like taking a pill and then spitting it out and saying the pill isn't working. Well, guess what, my friends? You didn't take it. You didn't take the pill. You can't say it didn't work for you when you spit it out of your mouth before you swallowed it. You follow, right? This is the same idea. This really is the same concept. If we're engaging safety behaviors or compulsions the entire time we're doing exposure therapy, we're not doing exposure therapy. So this is what I mean when I say keep your eye on the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. Whether we're talking about one kind or another uh, of OCD, one uh, you know subtype or, or symptom dimension, the most important thing becomes working to identify and stop compulsions. Now, let me play this from the other side. Let's suppose I'm stopping all my compulsions and I'm doing it in an honest way, right? I'm really working in a sincere way to stop my compulsions and I'm not just doing it you know, here and there, but I'm doing it consistently, right? So I'm really working hard and sincerely to stop my compulsions in a consistent way, right? I'm really working hard to do it. One could say, as a direct result of really working to stop my compulsions, 
or my safety behaviors, that I'm doing exposure therapy as a result. Maybe not every second of every day, but at least a good part of, uh, of the day, throughout the day, I'm engaging exposures because, specifically because I'm not doing compulsions. I'm not, uh, you know, closing my eyes or I'm not seeking reassurance or, or I, I'm not checking and double checking. I'm not engaging these various safety behaviors. And as a result of that, I really am correspondingly engaging exposures, even if I'm not doing exposure therapy per se. You, you follow what I'm meaning to say. As an example, if, I'm, if I have arachnophobia and I'm afraid of spiders and I'm not closing my eyes and I'm not uh, carrying raid around with me or some sort of spider poison around with me, if I'm, if I'm not uh, seeking reassurance and I'm not avoiding and, and I'm not uh, all these other safety behaviors and I'm simply living my life, chances are better than average. Occasionally, I'm going to come in contact with a spider. And I'm not going to look away and I'm not going to avoid and, and I'm not going to kill it. And I'm not going to grab some sort of uh, raid or, or spider uh, poison and kill. No, no, no. I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to stop my compulsions. I am doing exposure therapy at least on occasion and probably more often than that. So there simply isn't anything more important than stopping compulsions. So I really, really hope that this episode has been helpful for you. I suppose it was only, uh, uh, you, you know, on the periphery about relationship OCD. But at the end of the day, again, like I've said, I'm a little bit hesitant to get too far into these symptom dimensions and to be talking too specifically about the subtypes, because I think that a lot of the the, the individuals that are suffering from OCD they can get wrapped up in the subtypes to their own disadvantage, right? And what is more important than having psychoeducation about relationship OCD or whatever subtype we might be talking about is being meaningfully oriented to the treatment for that problem, right? And being able to keep your eye on the right ball at the right time such that you're making real symptom uh, uh, or therapeutic progress and not continuing to spin your wheels. You follow what I'm meaning to say. So I hope that this episode was helpful for you. Uh, feel free to reach out as always uh, to me at chrisline04 gmail.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-L-E-I-N-S-04 at gmail.com or feel free to uh, contribute to the podcast. Thanks very, very much for listening. This is OCD Straight Talk.